0: Nothing the screen has ever shown before can surpass the thrills
1: of... The Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Created from an atomic fireball hurled from outer space... He- the Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast. Threatens man's very existence on Earth. <laughs> The Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space Podcast.
2: Battles Godzilla, Mothra, and
3: Rodan for mastery of the world. Men quake before the terror of their unleashed fury. All new, all never to be forgotten. A new high in...
1: Visions from Monsterland. Hello everyone, welcome to Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. My name is Jerry and joining me is of course uh, Mr. Venom.
3: Howdy ho sir, how you doing?
1: Uh, Not too bad. We also have uh, Mr. Derek.
3: I was scratching after watching this movie and be like, why don't I have two moles under my nose?
1: Do you really need two moles under your nose?
3: No. It's better to be an 18 year
1: old colonel in the army.
3: Well, yeah, either that or Asian Eric Estrada.
1: One of the three. Uh, speaking of Asian people, uh, not
0: Asian, Mr. Don.
4: Screonk, everyone.
0: For this episode, I'm calling him Dodongo Anelli.
3: I dig it. I, I, I love it too, man. Sometimes you I'll have
0: to throw it. bombs in the mouth of a
1: Dodongo. <laughs> I'll take it. There you go. All right, well, today we are talking about Godzilla vs. Biolante. You know, it's a movie. Um, actually, it's held as one of uh, the greatest uh, and fan-favorite movies in the franchise. In 2014, uh, a survey was done in Japan, and the winner for best Godzilla movie of all time was Godzilla vs. Biolante. Um... As uh, Venom brought up right before we came on the show, he was watching a lot of top 10 um, Godzilla movie uh, videos that have popped up on YouTube because of Godzilla King of the Monsters, which you can check out a review that features me and Mr. Venom on Kill the Cast. Um, And he was talking about how Biollante, you know, was number one in a lot of those lists. So do we feel the same about that? We're going to get into it. But before we, we start going around the table... I want to talk a little bit about how this movie was made. So, much like *Terra of Mechagodzilla, this movie was actually um, a scriptwriting contest. And a dentist won it. Uh, and he had written some screenplays before. He wrote an episode of Return of Ultraman when he was 16. And um, his version of this script was a little different than the version we got um his version did involve a giant plant uh, and it did involve a scientist who put whose daughter died in grieving put his daughter inside of a plant but he also created this rat monster that Godzilla ends up killing and eating uh oh yeah and the plant monster has the face of a human ooh so ooh, that would have been weird <laughs> there's that uh oh and apparently in that one the the plant monster does win by beating Godzilla, by spitting uh, toxic green shit all over him. So. Yeah.
4: Yeah. Um, I actually have a translated version of that um, in one of my books, um, The Illustrated Encyclopedia of Godzilla. There's a uh, recreation of that storyline in the book. Oh, that's nice. I will have to
1: yeah. uh, is, is that, that's the that's book the that's re- yeah, that's really that's fucking hard to print.
4: get. Yeah, that's the out of print one.
1: Yeah, damn it. I'm still looking for that one. I don't have that one. Uh, really good book. Uh, but, so, with Godzilla versus Biollante, uh, it didn't come out till 1989. Obviously we had uh, Godzilla's Revenge aka Godzilla 1984 for International aka Godzilla 1985 for US. Uh, that came out. So, why do we have a four year gap? You might be wondering. Well, that's because they really didn't know if they were going to do another one. Uh, they were going to do another one that was going to come out in 1986, but King Kong Lives came out in Japan in 1986 yeah. and did really bad. So they assumed no one wanted a giant monster movie anymore.
4: But Which sucks, because I actually like that one.
1: <laughs> yeah, it's not bad. I don't think it was that people didn't want to see giant monster movies. At, I think it was just in the 80s. I think other people, they're like... Japan already lost a lot of its shit when it came to movies once television was invented. Yeah. The Japanese mm-hmm. people just kind of stopped going to movies. That's what happened in, in the late 60s, early 70s. And I think it just always continued to be that way. Um, and I don't think anyone really wanted King Kong like that. They like King Kong to me is not a character that if he puts out a new movie, I want to go see. No, I just want to watch the original one over and over and over.
3: <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Is that the one where there's like a giant open heart transplant in the beginning? <laughs> I legit don't
1: remember. I haven't seen that movie in forever. Yeah, that's
4: the one. Yeah, okay, yeah, because yeah. that's how they keep them. Uh, that's how they keep them alive after the fall from the World Trade Center. It,
3: yeah, yeah, they have
4: because uh, yeah. it was uh, Linda Hamilton's uh, follow-up to the Terminator.
3: <laughs> yeah, yeah, I remember the famous uh, <laughs> sleeping bag scene. Yeah, I do too. <laughs>
1: Yeah, so, uh, but with the 30th anniversary of Godzilla coming around the corner, they decided to say fuck it and go ahead and do it. Unfortunately, the production took a long time to actually start, which is why there was really no toys for the movie um, at the time. The toys didn't come until a few years later, and uh, funny enough, the movie actually had one of the shortest production. When I actually started filming, it actually finished faster than most other Godzilla movies.
3: I think I know why.
1: Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but it was actually one of the hardest movies to shoot for Biollante because Biollante not only took more wires to work than their previous record of King Ghidorah, but was just, in general, the suit actor could not tell what was going on. Um, the Godzilla, the Bio Goji suit, which is praised for being good, uh, while being really flexible and great to move in, was horrible to see out of. So neither one of these suit actors could really see out of their suits and you can kind of tell.
2: <clears throat>
1: <laughs> suits look great. They're just, you know, not not they when they interact with each other it's just not as good. So they did end up putting out the movie, but unfortunately uh the movie didn't do great. It did okay. Um And some of that has to do with the director. The director, Mr. What was his fucking name? Kazuki Kazuki. Omori. Mm -hmm. Did I actually pronounce that right? First go.
0: You got it. I think so.
1: Holy shit. Uh, So he uh, was pretty open about the fact that he did not really like uh, our super producer Tanaka, who's been producing the Godzilla series from the get go. Uh, He actually blamed Tanaka for the low-quality Godzilla movies that came out in the 70s, uh, saying that the tight conservative uh, producer board and the very unimaginative script writing was what killed Godzilla.
3: Yeah, I was actually reading some research, too, because uh, we already did the episode on Ghidorah. He's the one who changed Ghidorah's origin, too, and uh, he's like, fuck that. He's like, I don't want no fucking space alien. He's coming from Earth and shit like that. <laughs> who, Kazuki? Yeah, he he actually got into a fight with Taka, Tanaka about it over it. I was actually reading it. It would have been good for that episode if I read that before, but I was actually reading more shit about some of the other Heisei sequels after this one that he was involved in.
1: Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, so, uh, but Kazuki actually had free range to do this movie pretty much almost exactly how he wanted. Tanaka only denied a very, very few things. Uh, But it was Tanaka's belief that when this movie came out and didn't do as well as they'd hope, that it was the free range of letting them do whatever they wanted and using a new monster. So that is why the movies that followed all featured monsters that you pretty much knew until you got to Space Godzilla. And let's be honest, Space Godzilla is about as new as Mechagodzilla was when they did Mechagodzilla. It's like, we know what you're doing. Uh, but they did at least end it with a new monster with Destroya, mm-hmm. so that's <laughs> pretty good. So, Godzilla versus Biollante. This movie is about a how do you how do you put this
0: mutated rosebush?
1: Mutated rosebush. Rose no, we're not getting Orson Welles up in here. Um, <laughs> so uh, this movie, the basic plot of this movie is. There are a handful of, of major characters that keep popping up that you will never care about but for some reason people care about. So you basically have uh, the introduction of our psychic uh, Miki who will show up through most of the rest of the Heisei series. You've got uh, two different guys in the government. You've got three different guys that are scientists. And I don't know any of their fucking names because no one said any names in this movie. They did, but they literally said it, like, once. So, yeah. as we yeah. go through, I'll have to, like, re-pull up names. The but, only
0: name they said more than once was Erica.
1: Yeah, Erica, the one Erica. that's fucking dead. Yeah, exactly. Great. Uh, okay, so let's get into this. Um, we, we're going to start off with what we loved about this movie, uh, who wants to go first? Who's itching to talk uh, about they love? Derek, is that you? I'll,
3: I'll, yeah, I'll I'll go first. Mine actually will follow into my negatives too later on. Uh, the positive thing that I have to say about this movie is what we said before is the design of Biolante himself. It's a very unique design for a kaiju. And I love the final form of it when it does come in the screen. It just elegant the way that they shoot it and this some okay shots of it I like the introduction shot where we see like it's rose form too and there's some good shots within it but uh, it also leads into the positive that the negative side of it I wish there was more of it in the movie
1: fair enough Uh, Don what do you got Don are you dead did Don die uh oh I think Don died. So Venom, what do you got? No. Oh, no. no I'm here still is. here.
4: I was on the I must have inadvertently sat on the mute again.
2: <laughs>
4: but uh, no, for me, Hold on, time's I was. Did you
1: sexism. say you sat on the mute?
4: Yeah, the there's a handle the on the the cord for my headphones. There's the volume control, and it doubles as a mute button. Oh, I okay. sit on it. Yeah, I I tend to sit on it from time to time
1: okay gotcha all right
4: go ahead yeah. but uh, for me I love the special effects in general um, Godzilla's got his greatest suit design of all time the you know they use a variety of different puppets for all of his different facial movements so he can snarl and he can tilt his head and they just like move about like a real creature would you know there's Just a lot of, I think, just fun special effects throughout the entire film.
1: Okay, Venom, what do you
2: got?
0: Unfortunately, I don't have a whole lot of positives with this movie, so I kind of have to piggyback on Derek's and talk about um, the design of Biolante, specifically his evolved form. I really, really like the evolved form of Biolante. Kind of reminded me of, like... uh, Mega Gator crossed with Audrey 2 from uh, Little Shop of Horrors. But I I really liked it. I liked how the uh, individual vines all had mouths on them with, you know, real jagged teeth. I thought that looked cool. Um, I just wish that the uh, the actor, the suit actor, had more mobility. Because it looked like he had a lot of trouble just kind of staying upright in that suit. That suit, especially with all the different attachments to it, looked like he had a lot of trouble with it. And you can kind of tell... um, the fight between Godzilla and Biollante kind of suffers because of it, because they don't have a whole lot of close hand-to-hand combat most of the combat between these two is kind of at a distance you know godzilla shooting his atomic breath uh Biollante attacking with his tendrils or tentacles vines whatever you want to go with um so they didn't really have a whole lot of like you know face-to-face kaiju action so um it suffered a little bit because of the mobility issue but overall i did enjoy the design so yeah evolved by awesome
1: Gotcha. Okay, well, uh, yeah, I'm with y'all. I don't have a lot of good to say. The special effects are honestly some of the best in the series. Um, You get a lot, and I mean a lot, of military versus Godzilla, uh, which which is good uh, for a little bit, but they kind of overdo it in this movie. But at least the special effects look good. I love seeing Mazer cannons. Anytime you throw out a Mazer cannon, I'm in there. But let's be honest, the best thing in this movie is the the 1962 Godzilla statue in Homeboy's office. <laughs> yes. That's the greatest thing ever, and I would really like that statue as the 62 suit design is my favorite design. So yeah,
3: that was pretty do. awesome. Uh
1: yeah, so let's go into what we didn't like because uh okay. <laughs> if you guys can't tell, turns out we are all not the biggest fan of Godzilla versus Biollante. I don't know. What it is about this movie that does that, but we're gonna kind of figure it out here. and I'm gonna throw out the first the first pitch here. I'm gonna say that this movie isn't good because it tries really hard to have a good human story, but it never actually seems to to do that. It throws a lot of characters at you that it wants you to remember, but they're kind of all they're even though they're all together, they always feel a little too spread out. They never feel like they're all working together as a team. It feels like you're just jumping from scene to scene to scene with these characters. And they just never really show up unless it's like, Oh, but we have this uh, new super weapon with the uh, this biotech nuclear eating bacteria. Or uh, the new and improved S2. Uh, or what, are the, what is that fucking ship called again? Super X2. Super X2. Super X2. Okay, I was close. I said X2. I just forgot the Super. Uh the Super X two. Um like they kinda always have like then they've got out of nowhere, they're just like, oh, also we have this lightning control system that we can use to heat up. Uh, like it just seems
3: you You like, forgot about the greatest character of all time, the Seradian agent.
1: <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah. And then we also have a secret agent because the director Making Godzilla movie was his second thing he wanted to do. The first thing he wanted to do was make a James Bond movie. Oh God, <laughs> um, that's legit. He said making a Godzilla movie is it was his second dream. His first dream was to make a James Bond movie. So he threw it in that. So we have just way too much shit thrown at the wall here. When it really it should have been slimmed down and focused. Just on, uh, this should have basically been Terror of Mechagodzilla 2. It should have been about a scientist and his daughter and Godzilla. That's what it should have been about. Uh, they could have had the scientist trying to figure out a way to destroy Godzilla because Godzilla was going to destroy Biolante, which was his daughter, which in its first form, he would have claimed is not causing any harm to anyone. It's just hanging out. And then, of course, something would happen where it would turn into Biolante Form 2. And then it would become, you know, a much bigger issue. And and that's what I feel like the movie should have been. Instead of, like, here's the secret agent. And here's the psychic. And here's the uh, anti-nuclear bacteria. And here's a weather system. And, like, it's just constantly throwing shit at the fucking wall. And I couldn't remember any fucking character's name.
3: The only one I really remember is Gondo because it was just an easy name to remember. <laughs>
1: I don't even know who Gondo. Is. I would literally have to that, go that, look that's it
3: up. It. That's Asian Eric Estrada.
1: Okay, Asian a- I like. You know, what? I will say he might be my favorite character in this movie because he's just like, well, I run a uh, the Godzilla portion of the military, and there's no Godzilla on so board, so he should wake up because that would be fucking dope. Yeah, I
3: and mean, it's weird because <laughs> his the only character. That uh, actually later on in the series, uh, you know, in Space Godzilla. Oh. Don, you gotta, it, you
1: gotta mute, man. You're, you're now echoing really bad. My what? You, I, yours lit up and it was echoing everything Derek said. All right, hold on. Uh, all right, Derek, you can continue.
3: Okay, I was like I was saying, like he is the only character that. When we get later in the series in Space Godzilla, it's like uh, he has his buddies going after Godzilla for his death and vendetta and shit, you know, which doesn't make sense when we watch that movie because this movie technically shouldn't have happened in that one.
1: Yeah, yeah, I'll, we won't even get into fucking time. <laughs> yeah, we'll get in, we'll
3: get into that more later on, but you know what I mean. It's he's the only character besides Miki that they actually bring up again from this movie
1: yeah so (laughs) what what did you not like about this movie what about this movie doesn't make it one of your
3: favorites Derek? (sighs) the soundtrack to be honest it's yes it it, it, it gets like some of the stuff i do like in it but it gets fucking goofy and shit. you know it's something if akira ufugube even said himself that this soundtrack sounds like shit
1: i don't know man that shootout at the beginning had some rocking
0: tunes that i expect in a godzilla movie I know but then we have some like, of the music was good but some of it was like yeah. 70s chase music it was awful
3: and it, it, like uh, the whole like super x scene where it has like this Indiana Jones style music da, mm-hmm. da, 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 like superman <laughs> and shit I'm like yeah. what the fuck I I had to go look, to go
1: it, look, look, look it up because up. for yeah. this we we tend to always watch yeah. the americanized uh, version americanized. So, yeah, with the music, uh, for this podcast, we always listen to the Americanized version of the movies. So, I actually went and checked to make sure they didn't like switch in uh, some kind of weird music that they sometimes do for these movies. They didn't redo the score. And they didn't. This is all like legit what the score is supposed to be. Like, the American release has nothing changed. Uh, it's an international dub that was made in Hong Kong. Uh, Miramax literally didn't change a thing because they didn't even want the fucking movie. They only did it because they were talking to Toho about releasing it. Then they stopped talking and Toho was like, what happened? You were supposed to release it. So they sued Miramax. And so Miramax ended up saying, fine, here's whatever. Here's some kind of money. Apparently, originally, it was supposed to be like $500,000. and that But we don't know what Miramax actually ended up paying. Um, and then Miramax ended up putting it out through uh the hbo uh Mm -hmm. hbo ended up putting it out on vhs so and it's actually funny when uh echo bridge went to release it on blu-ray when miramax gave them their transfer they said the transfer was awful and they couldn't even use it so they had to end up going to toho to get toho's 2009 blu-ray release uh Mm. scan
3: thank god
1: yeah for real um but, yeah, so the music is really bad, and it turns out that's that's legit. They didn't fuck with the music. That's how it's supposed to be.
0: Yeah, I can't imagine Americans would put that music in in 1989. It just didn't fit in some of those scenes.
1: I don't know, man. I, that first shootout scene sounded
0: damn American to me. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it sounded <laughs> 70s is my point. Yeah, it, it sounded like... like a Starsky and Hutch episode, and it's like, this is 1989?
3: <laughs> that that <laughs> didn't that, make that. any sense to me. That's what I said too, Venom. Like, the whole soundtrack with that shootout is like, it's like a sped up, like a uh, Starsky and Hutch fucking version of the Godzilla theme. <laughs> yeah,
0: I mean, it's literally chase music from the 70s. You've got the wah wah going on the guitar. I mean, it, it's, I've, I've seen, I've heard that music in multiple like cop movies from the 70s, French Connection type stuff. You know, you know,
3: you, you know what this movie was missing though? Every time the Seradian. Adrian was on. Like, I wore my sunglasses that <laughs> night.
0: That's funny. I was calling that guy Asian Kenny Loggins. Wow. Okay. This is taking a weird turn. So I'm going to move it right along. Oh, uh, you know what I
3: call him? Shiragami. He's the uh-oh. whole movie. Asian David Carradine.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, Don, please come and save us with what you didn't like about this movie.
4: Um... I only really have minor storyline issues with this one. Um, Otherwise, I don't have too many problems with it. I I do agree. I, I know what you're saying about it jumping around to so many different plot points, and that's really where it loses me, because it never develops any real motivations or rationales for anything. Like where's the purpose in bringing Godzilla cells to a rose and utilizing for utilization in a desert? Like, does a rose really survive in a desert? Like, why would they be using that technology for a rose? That makes no sense. And then there's no real motivation, you know, beyond the... Because they say that he keeps the cells when he comes back, when they come back to Japan, he keeps the cells for one week. And then that's the impetus for creating Biollante. Like you can really create a rose in five in a week just by putting Godzilla cells into it.
1: Well, no, I mean the rose like, was already created. He was trying. He in a week he was able to give. He was able to splice the DNA from the rose and the Godzilla cells to give the rose regeneration abilities, so that the mm-hmm. plant would live forever. Because okay, so if you go, it wasn't that they were trying to grow roses in the desert. Uh, they were trying to. Bio. They were trying to make grain that would grow in the desert by splicing it with a desert cactus, so that when the this unknown uh, Middle Eastern country runs out of oil, they would have they would be able to overtake America as the top grain producing country.
4: Oh, okay. so yeah, that that's part yeah, of the whole
1: mumbo jumbo in the beginning.
4: Yeah, because uh, the dub that they use is so low, I barely understood that.
1: Okay. Yes, the dub is yeah. not
4: good. Um, you, yeah, you know absolutely. it's bad when. It's yeah, bad. yeah, that's the thing is that I, I had always because I've I've seen this several times. I had always assumed that he was using the properties on the rose that he had take that he had put Erica in one of the roses that he was working on and then brought the G cells into it to create Biolante.
1: That's what he did, but that had like it had yeah, nothing to do. with...
4: No, but I'm saying that his original plan was using one of the roses from his work. That's why he put it into – that's why he put Erica in the rose was he took one of the roses from his work.
1: Oh, I just assumed he put Erica in the rose because it's the cliche writing thing to do, script writers. But no, it didn't make any – like I want (laughs) to know how did he put a soul in a rose? That's what I want to know.
0: They never even explained it to us.
1: Like Uh, the craziest thing is (laughs) – he put his daughter's soul in rose and instead of just going. He believes his daughter's soul is in this rose because I don't know. His oh. daughter died, and yeah, you're right. His daughter was working on roses,
2: yeah, the, like there were roses there,
4: right? Because when he walks in, you see all the roses scattered around the ground around her. That's why I had always assumed he took one of those that was still, you know, functional, spliced her into it, and now wants the G cells to keep it going. So that I. Yeah, the dub so is did he is do terrible, Just but
1: take her blood? Did he just like, oh, she's dead? Let me scoop up some of this blood
0: and let me it grab one of these roses. I mean, if 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 you're going by the Catholic belief of life and death, as soon as the body dies, the soul is gone. Okay, so well... the daughter, the daughter dies in the blast. How does he extract her soul? He can't. While, I mean, assuming that's the mythology you're going with. While, Sorry. Uh, while I understand
1: why you would assume Catholic because of the pedophilia in Japan having its pedophilia <laughs> issues.
0: Um, I don't think they're Catholic. Um, oh, no, I'm not saying they are. I'm saying that if you follow the Catholic belief of life, uh, life yeah, and death.
4: In, in Japan, I would imagine that they follow Buddhist mythology, and I'm not sure
0: how the Buddhists treat mythology
4: treat that. I know that they believe that every being in the universe has a spiritual like inhabitant sort sort of, but I don't know how you can transfer from one being to another or what happens when like a physical form dies, like the you know, like the spirit carry on or does it move to something else? You know, like reincarnation, Uh, rebirth.
1: I'm gonna just I don't know
4: the I don't know the I don't know the Buddhist mythology. I'm going
1: to assume it's none of that. And he just kind of went crazy and was like, my daughter's in this rose. Yes. Hmm. Like it's some weird fucking yeah, Ringu so, shit.
3: Yeah. It's so weird too. Cause then the whole ending like, wait, was he right? <laughs> Look at the fuck.
1: <laughs> yeah. Cause then the psychic girl shows
3: up and she's like, Oh, at first she's like, I didn't hear
1: anything in the flowers. But then later when it becomes a monster, she was like, Oh, I definitely hear someone calling out names and this. And I'm just like, Okay, I just think you're faking it at this point. Like, look at the whole scene between her and Godzilla where, like, she's on that helipad and Godzilla's, like, flashing red and then she passes out and then, like, Godzilla just continues what he's doing. And I'm like, what the fuck was the purpose of this? What in the world is the purpose of the psychic girl? Except for they slightly go, can we track Godzilla in a volcano with her? Can we track Godzilla? in the water it's called godzilla's fucking radioactive you follow him by following the radioactive it's not you don't need a fucking psychic girl to do that she is cra- utterly pointless in this fucking
3: movie and it's crazy because she's in every other movie i don't
1: this. yeah i don't get what's up with because japan's pretty big on the whole psychic phenomenon they love using that in their uh science fiction like it's a big part of um, akira being able to, like, these people that have psychic abilities, um, so, they just absolutely love the psychic shit, and, you know, and some of the movies, like, I think they did a better job of it in, say, like, Godzilla versus Space Godzilla, because they're using it with, oh, we gotta use this machine to control it, like, they're at least trying to amplify it, this is literally just some 16 year old girl and a bunch of elementary school kids, who all drew the same picture, that's
3: it. That seems hilarious. <laughs>
1: it is, but I'm just like, why like do people find this movie so good because it makes no sense to me when we sit here and try to break it down and understand it, no one's I'm not captivated by any. is it just that Bio like
0: has, is just an amazing design? I it, think, my theory is that I believe Japanese audiences probably appreciate convoluted storylines more than American audiences That's do. true. Like we, we want it Here's to be as simple as possible, you know?
4: Another idea for me, and this could be something else, maybe it's an appreciation that they're attempting new ideas because mm-hmm. these have never been introduced into the series before, so even though they fumble the ball royally, it's still... A fresh idea well you know introduce introducing a psychic into the Godzilla series okay that's a new uh, idea introducing the theory of combating Godzilla with you know by a functional biological system that is grounded in reality and has a legitimate real-world shot at actually working to stop him I think that is yeah. something to where you know they give it props for at least attempting to explore fresh ideas. And then you throw on top of that, you know, stellar special effects because Godzilla's on screen so often. I think that's probably one of the many factors for this.
1: Yeah, I think you have a good point. And I will say this I, I, the J- Japanese audience originally did not go out and see this movie, uh, it did not mm-hmm. do well. So I, I don't know how much, like, it's one of those movies that in hindsight everyone loves. Uh, but no one gave a shit about it when it first came out. Uh, but I, I think Don does have a point that there there were new elements. Even though I still think this movie highly kind of rips off a similar scenario as Terra of Mechagodzilla. Um, it uses some of the same stuff. It just convolutes it way more. Um, there are new elements in this that that do. Because um, you could argue that the psychic element is in Terra of Mechagodzilla. You could argue you had the same scientist and daughter, uh, cause but in that one the daughter dies and then the aliens bring her back to life. So they go aliens, and and in this one we don't. I think the the uh biotechnology of the anti-nuclear bacteria is super fucking dope. I wish it would have been used in a better way. Yeah. Uh, like I wish it would have been kind of used how like the oxygen destroyer is used in Godzilla versus Destroyer. Like, it means something. Because, like, the director talked about how they wanted to do something in this movie that would be a real, like, a real life, like Don just said, a real life uh, terror to Godzilla. And they chose this this biotechnology to do it, but they ended up going more into this psychic Rose story than properly doing the fucking... Uh, anti-nuclear bacteria which to me would be a much fucking cooler idea if instead we throw away this psychic row shit but instead we have this anti-nuclear technology bacteria somehow creating itself into a monster that could have easily became become biolante yeah,
3: the whole other thing too with this like The movie's called Godzilla vs. Biollante, and like we said, there's fucking barely any fucking Biollante in the fucking movie. (laughs) Like, the whole aspect, I think it would have worked better, too, if, like, you know, after Biollante's rose form fucking, she turned into, like, maybe a second form instead of going into space for, like, the rest of the movie. And maybe, like, running away, you know?
4: Well, let's, um, well, here's one quick factor actually make mobile capable suit designs because each mm-hmm. design of this creature, as good as they are, that is me those clapping. things are literally, yeah, those <laughs> things are literally rooted to one spot. Yep. So having mobile opponents would probably have gotten, would probably have gotten a little bit more mileage out of the design because mm-hmm. as good as those fights are, and I don't mind the fight one bit. I think the second fight is a l- really cool. You can't have, You can't do too much with one of your opponents standing in one spot.
2: True.
1: All I'm saying is that I had more fun with the Godzilla versus Megaguirus fight.
2: Oh yeah, so
1: that's kind of a problem. Like that, like Venom. Did we go into why you like your reason for not liking
0: this movie? This was a first-time watch for you, and you were pretty hyped up on this. Well, yeah, like you mentioned at the beginning, I've been watching a lot of the top 10 Godzilla movies and top 10 Godzilla appearances videos on YouTube that have been released since uh, King of the Monsters came out. And Biollante was very high on a few of those top 10s, so I was very excited to go into this. And yeah, I was, I was thoroughly disappointed not necessarily with the story, but I mean, first and foremost, the kaiju action, uh, you know, we've already kind of addressed it a couple of times, the lack of mobility on the suits, um, the lack of close quarter combat, just, you know, it, it's not what I look for in a, in a in a kaiju movie, uh, be it Godzilla or not. I like up close, hand-to-hand, scrapping battles. I understand that most kaijus have a long-range attack, be it you know, some kind of you know, fire blast or laser out of their eyes or whatever the case may be, but it, it just seemed like Bayalante just completely relied on the distance attacks, and it just took away some of the excitement for me. Like at no point. Did I feel like Godzilla was any in any danger? I mean, when he took the acid spit to the face, there might have been a little bit of tension there. But for the most part, you know, I there was no sense of urgency for me. Like, oh shit, Godzilla might go down or something, you know? Never. There there was uh, no sense of worry for me. I don't
4: know for me, I don't know about you. I love the sight of Godzilla getting his hand pierced. Oh, I that think that cool. is yeah. <laughs> I think that is miles more effective than any other special effect in the movie to me that is the single shot in this movie that i take out of it is godzilla's hand getting pierced
0: absolutely
4: because I- <laughs> you know one godzilla's physically injured but it's done in a unique way you know you take his hand out and you know okay yeah he still got his fire breath but i think that is a one of the best battle tactics ever devised.
0: Yeah. Yeah, if you would have done it to one of his legs, it might have been even more effective. Or his neck or something. Well,
4: well, they went for the shoulder,
0: but... Yeah. Yeah. It looks like he went for the heart and missed, yeah.
1: And that's the thing with this fight is because it's mostly a vine fight, once they show that Godzilla's fucking atomic breath rips those vines to shreds, uh, it kind of hurts the fight. Like, you just kind of go, okay, yeah, Biollante can keep throwing all these vines at him, but Godzilla can get out of them pretty good. They have the one scene where, you know, he gets his hands pierced and, and, and you know, you start getting actual the mouthpieces biting it. But mm-hmm. uh, he just blows them all away again and then just keeps going forward. It's just, it seems like it becomes after the hand gets pierced and he blows them all away after that, the fight just seems to become Biolante throwing annoying obstacles at him and less like any worry of Godzilla actually losing.
3: Yeah. Like the whole, like I think this is when he still arose, but the, that noise, the little hand things when they're clinging on the Godzilla, when they're throwing up the green (laughs) jet, you know, like that fucking noise is like, Really? Did uh, did we
1: just randomly go into the New York Ripper? What what's going on here? <laughs>
3: well, I, I I couldn't really do the noise. I was trying to imitate it, but it, you know, it was like a weird like vacuum noise, like yeah.
1: <laughs> I just so heard the quack like and immediately snarl. thought of it. It's almost
4: <laughs> like a it's almost like an animal snarl. Yeah,
1: yeah. So, I mean, I really do think like this movie. Try, like it had such a great design, but the like Don said, the design was not good for movement, which caused not to have a good kaiju fight like Venom brought up. And then it, while it does have great special effects, there's only so much of the military I want to see, and there's just too many times of the military going you know here's our secret weapon oh that secret weapon got stolen by terrorists what do we do well we've got this other secret weapon oh no godzilla broke this secret weapon well we got this stuff back from the terrorist let's use it oh well it's not working because we forgot that godzilla's cold-blooded yeah Uh, he's too cold (laughs) we've got to warm him up and i'm like what do you mean you have to warm up someone who's Fucking firing nuclear fucking but It would have made sense, like, how they did it in destroyer where they're like, we've got to cool him down so he doesn't blow up. He he should always be fucking hot, not
3: cold.
0: What the fuck yeah. is that?
3: I, I don't get it either. I, I don't
2: well, think the there is... Thing...
0: Go ahead. I, I was just going to say, I don't think it was necessarily that it was cold. I think that he was just cooled down enough that the bacteria wasn't working. Like... If he was out of the water and his internal, you know, whatever you want to call it, his internal nuclear center just kept getting hotter and hotter, that it would be enough. But when he's in the water, it might, it, it, it may not necessarily cool him down to where he's like our body temperature, 98.6, but it's probably low enough but that the bacteria doesn't work. Effect,
4: well, I'm saying like an effective temperature for a being of his size. Oh, he's- absolutely. He's, what, like 100 times our size? So, like, in a, like a, an equivalent temperature to him.
1: Yeah, well, so, my whole okay, thing is... Okay,
4: so I'm saying, it's like, okay, for maybe, like, you know, for human sake, maybe if, you know, the bacteria would work at a body temperature of, say, 100 degrees comparable to us, whereas if Godzilla's comparable body temperature would be 98.6, the bacteria would work at a comparable temperature of, say, 100. Mm-hmm. So, it's hot, but it's not fat, it's not you know, high enough exactly. to work at its maximum. Well,
1: my problem mm-hmm. is just that for a country that likes to kill sharks, they sure don't have a good understanding of how this works. Cause if you look at a shark, a shark's blood is super hot mm-hmm. because it's in cold water. Constantly Godzilla is a deep sea monster. It is in cold water a lot. Therefore it should have hot blood. It should have a hot body temperature, way hotter than uh than fucking what this nuclear shit should need this anti-nuclear bacteria to work i just feel like they threw in this nuclear this anti-nuclear bacteria eating stuff and they didn't flesh out the science behind it or anything and it, when they finally started to quote unquote use it they had to throw in another we have weather changing abilities so that they could bring the body temperature, which made no fucking sense. Like science. I'm not a scientist at all. I've never even played one on TV, (laughs) but uh, I know enough to say that none of that fucking made sense whatsoever. Uh,
4: Well, I I will say this. There is that one shot is immediately after just before Violente appears. There's that shot of him where he's walking like he's drunk. So to me, that suggests that the bacteria is starting to work. But it's just one of those where, you know, if that was the case, why didn't it work in a heightened sense when he's actually been battling? Like, he should have been completely overmatched the entire fight and had absolutely no real fighting capabilities at all.
1: Yeah, well, exactly. Him stumbling around, that's just me when my blood sugar's low. That, yeah, that's nothing.
3: And then later on, and after that, and like, oh, the water must have cooled him down. I'm like, get the fuck out of here, movie.
1: Yeah, I just, <laughs> oh, there's so much wrong with this movie. And I get that the great <clears throat> monster design and great special effects. And it's the introduction of the, of the Miki character. Uh, but, god damn, this story is of... a mess. Well,
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, well, yeah, one thing I get, how do you guys feel about the Super X 2? Because I didn't really care for it at I'm all. Awful. It was... that
0: it basically became a paperweight <laughs> <laughs> exactly yeah,
1: uh, i did not i did not like it i thought the whole idea of um it's a uh, synthetic diamond encrusted thing to take energy back and shoot it back uh, that was cool yeah. so the, but that the problem is the only time that super x looked cool is when that thing was open Otherwise, it looked like a shitty, tinier version of the spaceship Orga. You,
3: you know, it's funny watching like these Heysay movies. Sometimes, uh, you notice the guy that was actually like in the control room, pilot in the Super X. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah.
0: the
1: guy who was super enthusiastic about playing a video game.
3: Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's yeah, the fucking dude in King Ghidorah and the, the sci-fi writer. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> yeah, yeah,
4: it's Terazawa. <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> oh shit! I did not know that. Okay.
4: Yeah, that's Terizella.
1: Nice. <laughs> um. Okay. So, uh, I, we we love the special effects. We love the design. Uh, but the story is just not there for us. Um, I understand people love this movie, and I'm I'm sorry that we kind of shit on it. Uh, and I hope we didn't ruin the movie for you, but. I will straight out come out and say the Heisei series, not my favorite. My favorite movie in the Heisei series is in itself a very boring movie. Uh, that's Godzilla versus Space Godzilla. Mm. Like, uh, the the Heisei series is just to me not, a, not a, a very, it doesn't have the charm that the Showa series has and it doesn't have the strong script writing that the Millennium series has.
2: mm
3: mm-hmm. Yeah, I like a few of them, maybe a little bit more than you do. But, yeah, this one is definitely one that it's it's not aged well for me personally.
1: Yeah, so I don't, just at, at, off the top, I just want to know, uh, like, Derek, what's your favorite movie from the Heisei series?
3: I like... Uh... Destroyer and uh, Space Godzilla and I also like... I kind of like Mothra.
1: Well, no, it's, I just want to know what, like, if you just only had one from the Heisei series. Destroyer. Destroyer. Don, how about you? One from the Heisei series.
4: This one.
1: Biollante over all of them?
4: hmm
1: Holy shit. I feel like Don... You know, I gotta say this. Don, you, you sometimes catch a lot of shit uh, on Horror Mafia for your unbridled love of like sharknado and seven headed shark exorcist priester (laughs) raptor um but i will give you this you will fully admit that there's tons of stuff wrong and just go i just enjoy it and that's one of the things i love about you is that like you're not sitting here telling us we're wrong about things we don't like in this movie you're going Yeah, that's true. I just really enjoy the special effects and, you know, the story's Yeah, it's pretty shitty, but it's kind of wacky. And I, you know, I I like it. Like, that's what I dig about you.
4: Thanks. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Well, for me, it's just, okay, there's a ton of Godzilla action. We want that. There's a lot of great special effects. That's nice to watch. I don't mind the musical score. I think it's actually a lot of fun and I like it better listening to a solo than watching it in the movie. Because actually, when we're watching the movie, the only be- the song I actually like is the naval confrontation with Godzilla.
2: Mm-hmm. When
4: uh-huh. he, just the, the second he walks out, when he, he when he walks out of the volcano and they're attacking him, just immediately afterwards, that song that they play is actually my favorite song in the movie. That song rocks. I like that one. Yeah. And that, I actually,
0: which one was that?
4: Okay. When um
0: which, when Godzilla it, gets. Uh-huh.
4: And it's it, when Godzilla gets released, and the military's like just bombarding him with all the destroyers and all that. Oh, okay. It's the first, the first attack when he when he meets all of the naval when he meets all the naval
0: ships.
3: Oh, okay. Yeah, I do that. Yeah, gotcha. yeah, um, yeah. No, I yeah. like that too. I, yeah, I mean,
0: and my- for whatever it's worth, I, I'm not a fan of this soundtrack, but I, I gotta say, I love that disco version of the original song. I thought that was yeah. awesome. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Afukabe
1: is well, pissed at thing. Venom for saying that. So hey,
0: whatever. <laughs> yeah.
4: Well, the thing is, is that I actually like the soundtrack. Listening to it separate from the movie, I actually go on on YouTube and listening to the sweets on there. I actually like the soundtrack a lot more than putting it into the movie, because putting it into the movie, it sounds like it's a jungle movie. It yeah. sounds like a jungle. It sounds like a jungle adventure theme. Like I don't know what the hell they're doing with Super X. That thing is just that song is just yeah it sounds
3: like it would fit more than fit more in like mothra the mothra movie right
4: yeah yeah but yeah so for me it's just a matter of it hits all of the spots that i want in a godzilla movie but it's just one of those where the story is just enough to hold it back for me like, I would probably put this in my top ten, but it's not going to be in my top five. It's going to be eight, nine, or ten somewhere But in it's there.
1: your top-rated Heisei. Right.
4: right okay. Yeah. All
1: right. Yeah. Venom, now, uh, Venom, out of all of us, uh, you were the one that that will actually get a lot of first-time watches when it comes to Godzilla movies for us. Mm-hmm. Have you seen everything in the Heisei series?
0: Um, I've seen everything but Mecha Godzilla 2. Okay. That one's also boring. Oh, um,
1: good, okay. <laughs> which sucks because uh well the Rodan design is amazing mm. but it gets bogged down by this weird uh Godzilla baby baby, baby Godzilla fucking thing and oh, the mecha Godzilla design is awful I don't I, I, I will fight anyone on that. That design is awful. it looks like generic uh, dinosaur robot. It looks like a chubby T-Rex. Power Rangers.
4: It looks like a rejected, looks like a rejected Dragon Zord from Power Rangers. Yes,
1: Derek and Don just kind of hit it together at the same time. Yes, um, uh-huh. but the Rodan design is fucking great. Nice. Um, but yeah, okay. So you, out of, so out of the ones you've seen, what do you, what do you, what do you think is your favorite heysay?
0: Uh, oh, Destroya, definitely.
1: Destroya. Okay, and mine, like I said, is Space Godzilla. I just love the design of Space Godzilla. My uh, X Plus Space Godzilla is is one of my favorite figures I have. I I'm just a huge fan of that design. Even though I know, yes, it's just Godzilla, but it's like Goth Godzilla,
0: you know? Like I'm down. Oh, I was thinking for that. kind of punk. Uh, <laughs> kind he of is punk kind of Godzilla with all he's, the spikes. Yeah,
1: yeah, but I mean, he's very dark. He, you know, he. He's,
0: That's true.
1: He's listening to Dead Kennedys and Cradle of Filth at the same time. You know what I'm saying? There you go. Um, <laughs> I like that. I, not, I, I I don't know why Cradle of Filth was the first one that popped in my head, but my brother, like when we were growing up, like my brother was super goth and I was like uh, into the hardcore scene, but I remember him super loving Cradle of Filth. So, like, that's why Cradle of Filth popped in my head. Gotcha. Uh, I, I think I like one song by Cradle of Filth, and I think it's just because the music video is, is basically sallow. <laughs> so. Uh, <laughs> uh,
4: oh, I, lo- I love early Cradle of Filth. Midian uh, is one of my favorite albums.
1: Yeah, so I'm not a metal guy, so I don't, uh, I, I, don't really get into metal. But I, I, think they're very talented. I just don't get into metal. Yeah, That's your thing. They make great okay. videos. <laughs> they do make great videos. I and they make great shirts. I like the yeah, shirts. Um, okay. So uh, does anyone r- raise your hand? Even though I can't see you, does anyone have anything else they want to say on uh, Godzilla versus Baylante? Oh,
3: Derek. Yeah. <sighs> I'm just going to say this, with the whole thing about it. You know, it's definitely one that's going to be mixed with a lot of people with the story and the pacing issues of it, you know. I'm not saying that I flat-out hate it like a lot of people would. I think there's some good shit in it. It's one of the, probably the better concepts for a Heisei movie, to be honest. You know, it goes – but it, it just has some pacing issues for me personally. And but I can still watch it, and it's gonna be a little while longer before I watch this one again. But you know, if somebody wants to watch it who hasn't seen it, I'm not gonna stop them from watching it either. You know, maybe make their own opinion on it. I will stop them. I will kick them until they (laughs) beg to watch Terror
1: of Mechagodzilla. I will not have this. Uh,
3: Oh, wait till we get into that one. (laughs) If y'all dare talk bad about
1: that movie, we will fight. i love that movie even though uh me and uh mike the russian the guy who did uh are who helped me with the underwater kaiju from outer space uh poster design uh him and i used to call that movie the cure for insomnia because we, while we both love that movie if you put it on late at night you're going to sleep it will happen uh yeah. venom do you have any last words you want to say about this movie
0: not really. I mean, just a couple of more points of things that annoyed me. Uh, I, I thought the Erica's face and Biolante at the end just irked the shit out of me. Um, you know, it's already been driven into us that Erica's soul is in Biolante. We really didn't need that extra little bit of uh, I, I mean, I assumed that they were going for some kind of heartwarming ending thing, but it just failed miserably to me. Um just yeah like you said way too much human story in this one not necessarily a bad story but like you said convoluted way too many different things going on um I kind of wish they might have gone into uh Asian Kenny Loggins a little bit more just because I'm kind of a fan of like espionage and assassins and things like that so I mean that seemed like a wasted plot point right there um but ultimately, yeah, not a big fan. Um, I, I'm not going to say it's like the worst kaiju movie I've ever seen, but it's definitely one that I don't see myself returning to because I, I don't get any joy out of this it, film. It, I mean, it's no younger. <laughs> you know what? God, I may actually go to back to younger before I go back to this one. And I know that's sacrilegious, but I, you know, it, it's still the truth. Um One of the things that I love about Godzilla movies new and old is the joy that they give me in their kaiju battles or, you know, the little bits of comedy that might get peppered in there here and there um, or the very rare occasions where the human story is compelling um, You know, those are the things that I go to a, a Godzilla movie for. And this one pretty much offers me none of that. So, you know, I, I I wouldn't, you know, if I were to rate this, it wouldn't be like an ungodly low score. But it would definitely be lower than, you know, most of the ones that we've discussed. So, yeah, I, this, I don't hate it, but I don't like it very much. This movie should have been Asian Kenny Lodgens versus
1: Asian... Uh, Uh, Eric Strada, just them fighting over the anti-nuclear bacteria until somehow that turns into a monster uh, for Godzilla to fight. And that could have came by Alante. We could have got rid of the scientist Rose daughter thing, you know, which, Hey, I get it, dude. You want to be inside your daughter. I mean, you want to put your daughter inside a Rose, whatever. Uh, But that, I think that would have been a much more entertaining. I, I would have taken that as an action. Like, if you wanted to go 007 Godzilla movie, you should have just went hardcore into that and left the psychic shit out. That would have been dope. Um,
3: Absolutely. And you you guys know I went deep into this. I watched this twice, and, like, the second time I watched this today, the fucking guy with the two moles under his nose, I'm like, (laughs) I watched this movie a bunch of times as a kid. This is the fucking first time I ever fucking noticed those two moles. Derek was like that scene in that Austin
1: Powers movie where he's like, mole, mole, mole. (laughs) um let's let's bring this back up to some intellectual uh regard don do you have any final words on this movie
4: um yeah um the one thing we never really mentioned is godzilla's entrance i mean walking out of a volcano erupting like how badass can you get for like you know making your appearance in a movie like you're literally walking out of an erupting volcano Think about that.
2: Yeah, that's, that's dope. badass.
1: I have one complaint, and it's not when he comes out. It's the explosion that the terrorists do on that is really tiny. Uh, and I felt like it should have been, if not that bigger, it should have been bigger when Godzilla actually came out. I just felt the explosions around from when the terrorists did the explosion uh, allowing Godzilla to escape. I don't know how yeah. those correlate to each other. I just felt like it was a little smaller than it should have been
2: yeah
4: maybe but i mean i still like just the you know the idea behind it and that's you know essentially what the movie is in general you know i like the ideas behind it more than the actual execution because as we've been saying for like the last you know 45 minutes the execution really lacks in a lot of these areas with the story but i mean you know Godzilla's on screen a lot. There's a lot of cool action scenes. Maybe the fights are not your thing, but, you know, at least you're getting them. So for me, that's enough. I enjoy it. It's not my favorite. Maybe it's my favorite Haize movie, but I have fun with it. So, yeah.
1: All right. Uh. Well, well with that being said, I think it's time to get into Ultraman. Oh, boy. <laughs> All right. Episode 12, cry of the mummy from october 2nd 1966 uh in this ultraman episode we start with the famous kaiju legendary actor uh Akikio. ah oh, god damn it! Uh, Ak- how do you say his Hiko name Hirata.
3: thank you i just call him sarazawa uh yeah sarazawa <laughs>
1: guest stars as professor iwamoto who during an excavation finds a ten thousand year old mummy they also find a monster in the cave. So they take the mummy to the science center. The mummy looks like uh, uh, a fucking off-brand version of Mum-Ra.
3: <laughs> That's like a- that,
0: that kind of bothered me. That they, Everybody was calling it a mummy, but nobody was referencing the fact that that thing was not human. It's like, who was mummifying baboons? Well, they and, also they, barely showed the monster. Like, I, I had
1: we I watched this episode twice. I watched it once and then I watched it a second time to take notes because I like to with the, uh, I like to watch it. And then if I have to take notes, I rewatch it again so I can get all my points right. Um, so when I was rewatching it the second time, because I literally did it back to back, the monster in the cave is not a painting on the wall. That is legit the monster right there. And they're just like, okay, there's a monster in here. That's cool. And I'm like... Wait so you have a a, a monkey looking mummy and you have a giant monster in this cave and I know y'all get monsters a lot, but none of y'all are talking about this like I, I, I mean it are monsters have monsters become so common in this world that that like it's just not a surprise anymore?
4: Well, <laughs> my initial thought was maybe they assume it's not the monster, just a statue of it. You know, I mean, they're in hibernation, you know, maybe it's a statue, maybe it's not alive. I mean, the mummy's not alive. So, maybe, you know, okay, it's a, you know, the monster may not be alive, maybe it's a statue. I mean, you can probably go either way, but that's still calling it a stretch.
1: Yeah, I mean, Mm -hmm. that's a good point. They could have just thought it was a big statue. That's true, because a lot of mummies Mm -hmm. are taken from, you know, places where they have that kind of shit. So, okay, well, the mummy is taken to the science center. Later that night, somehow the machines turn on. The levers get pushed up, causing electricity. They hit the mummy who wakes up. They never explain this. Um, <laughs> the magic control panel. <laughs> yeah, because they literally show levers being lifted. So it's not like it's like an electronic short circuit accident. Someone is making this happen. They just don't explain
0: it. I assume the mummy.
1: But I. I but yeah. if the mummy's hibernating...
0: I think at that point well, he's not, he was already. Because they had already out? given him. Yeah, they had yeah. already given him an, an initial they, shock. Yeah, well, when
4: we first walk in, when we first walk in, there's maybe a five second shot of Iwamura in the room where they're blasting it with radiation before they say, "Okay, folks, that's enough for today. Let's call it." Let's call it.
1: Okay, because I was a little confused on that because in in that the electricity that that you see later on shoot him in, in the scene uh, where he wakes up. That electricity in that first scene is not actually touching him. It's being shot above him, like, around him, which I guess is creating the radiation that they're using to, like, x-ray it or something. Right. Uh, so and pretty
3: then, much this is Time Walker before Time Walker.
1: I don't get that reference, but okay.
3: Uh, uh, so it's a, it's a it's a killer mummy movie from the 80s. They kind of wake the mummy up the same way.
1: Ah, okay. Mm. Um, so, yeah. So it it uh, wakes wakes up, and uh, the mummy attacks uh, one security guard by choking, and when the other hears the roar, it runs to find the mummy and is, is able to hit the alarm right before the mummy hits him with his Ghidorah eye beams. Um, <laughs> so Ito gets a call that the mummy has disappeared, which Arashi corrects him that the mummy was stolen uh, because they don't just walk away. Uh, but Ito's like, uh, no. It uh, the, the the guard said it literally kicked their ass and and walked away. Um, so Arashi, you need to shut the fuck up. <laughs> I thought that was pretty funny because uh, Ito yes. and Arashi, their relationship is just getting better and better. <laughs> uh, so the mummy has escaped into the sewers and it has killed two more cops. Which um, I watch it with the subtitles on just because for some reason. My set. If I don't have the subtitles on, it will not put subtitles over the Japanese scenes that get
0: added. Same, same, same. Okay. With me. Yep. So
1: I have that in there. So I will say, in the Japanese version, they clearly say the cops are killed. Mm-hmm. So Professor Iwatamoto says the mummy was in hibernation and not dead. The mummy has been is running around in the sewers, but they trapped him. He gets into a fight and he beats up everybody. Y'all cannot fuck. With this mummy, this mummy would win every Royal Rumble ever. Yeah, uh, this <laughs> why uh, no one has used this mummy character in Kaiju Big Battle, I don't know because he would win every single time. Um, we should do an episode where we, we should do a commentary track on Kaiju Big Battle, <laughs> that, that would, would be would dope.
4: Be awesome, I want to see what Venom thinks of, this, thinks of that.
1: <laughs> Venom, have you ever seen it? I have not. Oh, I'm going to rip... I have one DVD of it. I will rip it and and, and upload it for y'all. Nice. Okay. So, uh, the mummy uh, gets shot in the shoulder with a gun. So, he's like, oh, we're shooting now? We're not just going to do this hand-to-hand? Like, men? We're going to... (laughs) Okay, fine. Eye beams, bitch. And he starts shooting everybody with eye beams. Uh, But Arashi comes in and uses that ray gun to put the mummy down. Uh, Mm -hmm. Now, unfortunately, they did want to catch the mummy alive, but they couldn't. Uh, So... Then we go to the monster breaking out of the mountain. Uh, and this looks like a, a, a rubber <laughs> dragon horse. Uh, oh,
0: wow. And his the name is. The first two man kaiju suit. <laughs> uh, yes. Uh, and his oh. name first is. First of many. Dodongo.
1: Yeah. Uh, Dodongo, which uh, for all you Legend of Zelda fans, no, it looks nothing like a Dodongo uh, from that series.
3: Yeah. It looks like the Creeping Terror.
1: And, oh wow holy the, shit Just the creeping terror looked like a big amoeba though uh, okay so the science patrol uh, while hanging out near the fallen mummy they call from uh, uh, my future wife Fuji about the kaiju breaking out so we find out that the mummy called the kaiju out of its slumber and Dodongo attacks the mine that they were filming the my bloody valentine preplot um, <laughs> the science patrol show up in their ship but uh, Dodongo uh, has those same monster eyes and he starts uh, shooting shit up and he threatens to shoot them out of the sky so they land. Ito goes, Oh, I made this electric barrier so Irashi puts that shit on and it works. Ito is a fucking genius. That shit was great. So uh, the barrier works in protecting him so they start trying to shoot out the eyes. Uh, they end up shooting out one eye. Um, and then the monster shoots a rock that blows up, and Arashi gets knocked the fuck out. Uh, so Ito shows up and takes the beam gum, and he shoots the monster's other eye out. Then the captain sends Hayata around the side to distract the monster, which I don't know how the monster can't fucking see. Um, he's <laughs> already distracted. It can't see. Um... But uh, this allows Hayata to turn into Ultraman, which means, dun 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 Don, Ultraman,
4: fight time. All right, Ultraman takes to the skies and comes in behind Dodongo, landing on its back and begins riding the bucking beast around the ruins of the refinery. <laughs> Finally able to shake Ultraman off. He lands in a forested clutch of trees as the blind Dodongo staggers towards him, trying to find the source of the previous attack. Ultraman dodges a blind charge and mounts a side headlock on the creature, but that causes Dodongo to start wildly jerking around, causing Ultraman to loosen his grip on the creature before he is finally thrown off.
1: <laughs> Time out. Time out. I just want to point out the fact that that you said he's jerking around. So Ultraman had to re- to loosen his hand grip. Are you trying to make masturbation jokes, or I'm like I'm just trying to figure out if this turned into some really weird uh, kaiju horse erotica?
2: <laughs>
1: uh, if you
4: want to add that, that's fine with me.
1: Okay, I'm sorry. Continue. I had I, I okay. just oh, you got me on that one.
4: Alright, with the blind creature still charging towards him and the color timer starting to blink furiously, Ultraman delivers a specium ray blast to the creature's head and neck, knocking the creature to the ground, where apparently the suit actors can't write themselves anymore, so they just go <laughs> off screen to die, damn it. Um, Ultraman to stand tall.
1: Oh
2: my god. Okay. Oh my god.
1: I've got to say something here. Uh there is one scene uh one one camera angle when uh Ultraman shoots his beam and they do that point of view from behind his hands. Brilliant. Oh my god, I love that. Yeah, that was cool. Um Okay, so Ultraman uh starts flying away. I also want to point out that uh if they could shoot out the monster's eyes, I think they could have beat this monster without Ultraman.
2: Mhm.
1: I don't think this, this, uh, I don't want to be, I don't want to offend anyone, but I do think this, this monster had a mental retardation. hmm Um, I do think that, uh, its hibernation maybe went on a little too long and it's not mentally there. Um, and you blinding it and then riding it, uh, is not helping. Okay. <laughs> uh, anyway. So, uh Ultraman shoots this energy. This is the first time we've seen this, right? Uh Ultraman shooting an energy ring that yes. transports Hayata down to back to right. Earth. Yeah, Did, that is
3: the first time I've seen it. I yeah, always saw the reverse transformation, yeah.
4: Right, because we've seen the transformation. We've seen Hayata in the Ultraman twice. But we haven't seen Ultraman to Hayata.
1: Yeah, and I just wonder, is this how it's always done? And to me, is it a little weird that he shoots energy out of his hand, that then teleports somewhere, and then creates Hayata? I, like, I thought Ultraman would, like, turn into a puff of smoke or
4: something, and then you would just see Hayata. Like, I, well, I think what he's doing is he's removing Hayata's influence from within him, but he's using it as, like, a protective barrier, so that way he lands safely.
1: Okay, maybe that's what it is. I don't know, I just didn't... So... It's cool, I mean, but at the same it, time, I have I mean, questions.
4: I mean, it's a it's a unique feature, but for me, I look at it as Ultraman knowing, okay, the fight's over, I've got to get Hayata back out of me before I expire. So he's using, like, a protective barrier to place him safely. But isn't Ultraman
1: inside Hayata? Ultraman had to go into <laughs> Hayata to, so, to uh, save his life.
4: No, because so, remember... No, because what happens is he releases the essence with the beta capsule. That's what he does. So he, Oh, he so
1: it, Ultraman is inside the beta capsule, not right. inside Hayata. I thought he was always
3: right, inside Hayata and it was him that, coming out of Hayata. Right. He's coming.
4: Because right. remember, he always has to hold it aloft and press the button. That's okay. how he transforms.
3: Mm-hmm. Okay. So,
4: he's, so, he's, so he, what he does is he uses the capsule to release the essence of ultraman but what by doing that what happens is hayata is able to merge with ultraman's life essence
1: okay so ultraman still like uh once the beta capsule releases that's kind of the the device he uses to get inside hayata
4: Right. Hayata, right, Hayata is like a human host. Yeah. But re- using the beta capsule, that releases the essence. Can I use it, the has-
1: beta capsule to make Fuji my human host? Is that something we can work <laughs> on? Isn't she like 70 now? I don't... <laughs> look, Venom, I don't go around shitting on your dreams. Okay? God
2: Jeez. bless you, buddy. Go get okay. it.
1: Okay. <laughs> uh, so we find out that... so. Hiata's transform on the top of a mountain. Professor uh, Iwamoto informs him that the mummy died at the hospital and upset, upset he will never know the secret of how the monster stayed alive in hibernation for so long. Uh, Ito points out that Hayata stands like Ultraman. Now, in the subtitles, the Japanese subtitles, it actually says something more akin to you know, I kinda wonder if Hayata is. Ultraman which is kind of them basically saying you know I never see Ultraman and Hayata at the same fucking time they're starting to put it together
0: yep yeah it it only took them 12 freaking episodes
1: (laughs) yeah they're starting to get it now uh so it'll be interesting as we go forward to see how how long it takes them to put it together but okay we're going to go uh, round table style to see how everyone felt about this episode. And I- I'm going with Venom first because I really want to know what he feels because he was pretty excited to talk about this episode.
0: Dude, I have so many problems with this episode. I mean, starting first and foremost with the fact that these people are all acknowledging that this thing is a mummy, but no one is acknowledging that this thing was never human. This isn't a mutated human being. I mean, this thing looks like he was some kind of bipedal ape bat creature. Yet no one acknowledges it. Everybody's like, oh, it's a mummy. So, yeah, that irked me right away, right off the bat. Um, The unexplained magic control panel, which, you know, like I said, we kind of decided was the mummy himself since he was partially awoken. Um, But I still I still didn't like it. Without some kind of nod to the mummy, you know, you know, show a camera shot of the mummy, even move like a finger or something just to kind of really drive home that point that it's the mummy. Uh Um, I feel like when the mummy killed that first cop, that was the the fastest chokeout ever. I mean, he literally had his hands around the guy's neck for like two seconds and the guy just passes out which obviously as anybody who's ever choked another human being knows that's an that's an impossibility. Uh-huh. But whatever. tell tell us about this choking other humans out. Dude, choking someone is not easy. It's not like in the uh-huh. movies where you hold where you choke them for like 5 to 10 seconds. You literally have to choke for a minute or two. Don't forget the brain can go without oxygen for up to a minute without any major damage. Or more than a minute, really. Uh-huh. So and and the thing is, too, is that when some when one person strangles another, they tend not to kill them because they'll obviously the person being choked will pass out after a while from lack of oxygen. But they're mm-hmm. not dead yet, obviously. Um, don't ask me why I know so much about choking people. Because uh... I was I was getting a little
1: curious because, <laughs> like, I remember um, a long time ago on the on 4chan there there was a very famous post about this guy. Uh, he, he legitimately. Uh, killed his girlfriend He choked oh, yeah, her I to death that. And he posted pictures and he said he did it And everyone was like oh he's faking it And he talked about how how He specifically stated that it was so much different than the movies uh, It's so much harder to kill someone uh, By choking them uh, And it did turn out later he got, he got busted a few days later Went to jail uh, He was going to suicide by cop But he, he was too much of a pussy to actually do it um, So he never actually did it um, but he did get busted and did go to jail for the murder of his girlfriend. Um, and that, that, I think that was like the first time where like, I really kind of realized that, oh, it really, it really is not like the movies. Holy shit. Like, yeah, damn. S- uh,
0: Strangulation is probably the worst way to try to kill a person. I, so, I, I, then, what's the best way? Be- Oh, dude! Put a bullet in their brain, nice oh. and easy. That's kind of lame. I like I like the look in their
1: eyes when a knife goes in their belly.
4: Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> shove an atomic rocket up their
2: ass. There whoa,
0: whoa, Don! God, you pervert! Jeez. I do that to the girls I like, actually. Uh, <laughs> that's how he got his wife. <laughs>
1: Boom. Uh, anyway, uh, well... his penis is radioactive. Anyway, yeah.
2: <laughs> Thank you for that.
0: Anyway. Um, yeah, like I said, I could go on and on with the problems I have with this episode. Once again, just like Biolante, I don't hate this by any stretch. Uh, There's still camp value. There's still you know, laughing at the Dongo's <laughs> form and his his uh, his wings that are completely bent back behind him in an unrealistic fashion. The fact that there's a two that there's two people inside that costume and they have no coordination whatsoever. It looks like they literally put on the costume for the first time that day. Um, it, you know, like I said, I can go on and on. Um, the battle itself again, Jesus, I, I, I never need to see Ultraman ride another kaiju for that long ever again. I mean, you can't watch that scene and it not get sexual in your head. It's just an impossibility. So, um, yeah, that scene didn't get sexual in my head. So now I'm really worried about you. Oh yeah. Well, you have
1: issues then my friend. I I have issues because I didn't sexualize. I was more like, what the fuck is this fucking rodeo bullshit? I mean, he was even slapping his ass.
2: You do that to make a horse. You
0: slap a horse to make it go. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I slap asses for other reasons, but whatever. Okay, yeah, but we're talking about a horse, not a whore. There's a
1: difference, Venom.
0: (laughs) Oh, man. Oh, I I would be so happy with myself if I could satisfy a horse. Woo. Okay, I'm going to send you a video called Mr. Hands. Oh, God, I hope you don't.
1: Um, and we're going to see if you still feel that. Okay, I'm sorry. Continue.
0: Uh, so anyway, like I said, um, I, I'm not going to shit on this episode too much. Like I said, um, it, it's not terrible by any stretch. It still can't be fun. It's a good time. I didn't regret watching it by any stretch. Uh, once again, if I had to rate it, it probably wouldn't get a, a very high rating, but it would still be above average, definitely. Um, so all in all, I don't hate it, but it's not one of my favorite episodes by any stretch. Yeah, to be fair, the
1: mummy design's really good. It's just the Dodongo design that sucks. Exactly. So, uh, Don, how did you feel about this episode? I thought it was
4: pretty decent. Um, I do like Dodongo. I think that's a cool-looking, you know, dragon, horse, whatever the fuck that thing is. (laughs) I, I like the idea behind it. I think the suit in execution is awful because it's, you've got one person who's apparently standing upright while a person in the back is standing, bent over, holding onto their waist. Uh, it, at least that's how it looks like for the suit in operation, because there's that long slope over the back that allows Ultraman to ride him. So it looks like the one person is grabbing the other guy around the waist, and it just looks stupid. The early scenes with the mummy, I think they're fine, There's some atmospheric work that I do enjoy. There's kind of like a horror vibe when the thing gets released and you see all like the darkened corridors and the thing merging Mm -hmm. out of the darkness. I think those are really well done. The battle with the police is pretty exciting. It's just, I wish that there, you know, once again, I wish the story was better because, you know, first of all, I didn't know Japan actually had mummies. I didn't know that they actually, you know, prepared their dead that way. And the idea of recovering, because I didn't assume that this was actually a mummy, per, like a traditional, in, like, in the traditional sense, but more a mummy, just like how it's preserved,
2: mm-hmm.
4: you know, like, you know, a perfectly preserved object that's still alive thousands of years after it was dead. Like, I took it like that, but I didn't, I don't know that the Japanese did that thousands of years ago. So, you know, how that came to be is unexplained. How you know the electricity from modern ages is able to revive a being from ten thousand years. How <laughs> you know, how he gets energy from the elect from the modern electricity that they didn't have back then, how he's able to gain powers like that, I don't, don't understand. Yeah. But yeah, besides that, it's not bad. The stories, you know, what it is. I wish the fight with Dodongo would have been better, but I mean you can't do that with the costume limitations. But the destruction was cool. I like the miniatures and the mini- the little set that they do for the mining town that they have. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm. So
4: it's not a bad episode. It's just you know, it's a serviceable time waster, I think. Yeah. All right, uh,
1: Derek, what did you think?
3: Yeah, it was good, piggy like. I like the whole aspect of the first half of this episode a little bit more with the mummy because I love killer mummy movies. <laughs> it's my, one of my things. I'm like a werewolf and mummy guy besides Gilman, per se. I like those type of movies. Oh, man.
1: this would be, We should make a werewolf mummy. <laughs> I,
4: I wrote one in high school.
1: A werewolf mummy?
4: Yeah, the guy was bitten, but they didn't realize that he would turn into a werewolf. So by day he's a mummy, by night he's a werewolf.
1: Oh man, he gets put in uh, in his coffin and stuff, so he can't see the moon, and he's buried so far underneath that the the moon right. can't affect him. But when they excavate him and they bring him out, and the moon can finally affect him, and he turns into a he comes back to life because he gets turned into a werewolf by the moon, and right. it's a werewolf covered in bandages. I'm so fucking down for this.
4: Yeah, I, w- I wish I had the story for that. It's Fuck it, we'll around, rewrite it. It's around here somewhere. I got to dig through all my high school... I wrote a bunch of those kinds of stories in high school. I got to f- dig them out of my collection somewhere. You know... Uh, I, I, re- I really did. Um, I actually... I called it Full Moon in the Desert. Ah.
1: I, I got to say, well, uh, I wrote a stupid story when I was like in elementary school. Um. And it could work nowadays because of all the shitty sci-fi shark movies. But I wrote a a story about a kid who uh, watches a shark break through the wall of his uh, in-ground pool. And now there's just a glowing white shark that swims around in his pool. Nice. (laughs) So anyway, Derek, like you were saying.
3: Yeah, I like that aspect of it a little bit more than the second half, just because I like the design of the ape man slash mummy character, and it, it does have some creepy moments, like Don said, where it's just lurking through the hallways, and that when he like, just runs through the stairs, and that one guard comes in before he does the eye beam. I like that aspect of it. But then the dragon comes in, and it's just goofy looking. <laughs> like It just looks goofy to me. I just... I, I like the idea of it, but it's kind of a, the execution of the design's not that great. But the fight had me rolling when he's just riding. <laughs> I was just fucking dying. That's when I was laughing <laughs> at this scene. You know, it's what it is. I I didn't. I wasn't bored by it. I, I can't say that about this episode. Uh, and I actually watched the foreshadow and I watched the actually the episode after this one. And if you had problems with the Kaiju fights in this one. <laughs> oh lord. Uh
1: All right, so a little bit of fun facts. Uh, the lion roar is a modified lion growl. So mm-hmm. that's fun. Uh the Dongo, I want to say what was it? He he's like a modified Mothra roar. Mm-hmm. I think me- yeah,
4: so. it's the it's the chirp from the I think they use the, I think it's the flying stage. I think it's the chirp from the flying stage Mothra. Mm,
1: They just say uh, reused roar uh, from Mothra, but it doesn't specify
4: any Um, of that, unfortunately. Yeah, I I think it's the flying one because I don't think the larva ones have a long enough one. But yeah, it's a Mothra chirp.
1: Okay, dope. Um, And as for me,
4: uh, I, I,
1: I dug this episode. I had some fun with it, but mostly the first half I dug with the mummy. The second half was just me wanting to riff track. Sis. This, this episode is just ripe for mystery science theater 3000. Um, mm-hmm. it was just so ridiculous towards the end. That monster <laughs> design was just awful. Uh, it did not make for a good fight. Uh, I'm kind of glad the fight got over very quickly. Uh, I had more fun, Listening to Don describe the fight than watching the actual kaiju fight. And that shouldn't happen. Uh, now Don's amazing at describing these fights. But I just still enjoy a kaiju sight visually more than hearing about it. But yeah. somehow uh, that didn't happen here. I don't know if Don was just exceptionally on fire tonight. Or this was a really bad fight. I will leave that to the audience to decide. But I dig the mummy. I I really kind of wish it would have uh, seen more. I would have been kind of okay with no Ultraman in this episode and no Dodongo, and it would have just been them fighting the mummy the entire time. Yeah,
3: it would have been like an old school Ultra Q episode, kinda.
1: Yeah, exactly. And I haven't watched a lot of Ultra Q. I re I really want to, but that I I don't want. I haven't spent forty dollars on that DVD set. Um, uh, one of these days maybe, but for right now forty dollars on that DVD set ain't happening. And I can't find that shit to download anywhere or even to stream anywhere. Um, mm-hmm. So it's kind of hard to get a hold of. But one of these days, I will and maybe we'll tackle some Ultra Q. Um, but it was an okay episode. Uh, I'm kind of right on the middle ground for it. So uh, we'll see what happens as we continue. I feel like we started off pretty strong in Ultraman. But I feel like we're starting to get a couple episodes now that I'm kind of like, eh. I don't know because I really didn't care for the ruffian from outer space either. So I need a strong episode. Get bring bring back uh space alien Bolton if you have to, because that's my dude. Uh, <laughs> he will.
4: Oh he's yeah, coming I know. Up In a few weeks. Yep, yeah, he's I know.
1: Coming nice. up in a few weeks. I love him. He's my favorite Ultraman kaiju. Um, yep. So uh, with that being said, that was Ultraman. So uh, we're about to get out of here, but of course before we do, we're gonna go find out what everyone's doing recently, and also. Uh, we have a underwater kaiju from outer space shirt now. You can get it. is a very uh, vintage design. Uh, we have uh, Venom actually got the shirt, so we're gonna have to let him mm-hmm. talk about it uh, real quick. Venom, you got the shirt. What do you think?
0: Um, I like the shirt. Um, I, I wish. You and I had dis- uh, discussed the sharpness of the picture on the shirt. And I, I don't want to say that the picture is blurry; it just has a little bit of a fuzzy feel to it, which is okay because it looks like a classic, you know, Godzilla movie poster. So it's okay if it's, you know, ever so slightly grainy. Um, as far as the sizing of the shirt, if it fits me perfectly, it's not too big, not too small. So you don't need to order, you know, a size too large or small. Depending, um, I take a double X for whatever. It's worth and i yeah, got the black yeah it
2: fits. that's what she said
0: <laughs> boom
2: with his, <laughs> so, yeah. with his
0: nuclear rocket penis <laughs> oh, there you go um so i haven't um i haven't watched it yet i wore it yesterday to my poker game got some uh really cool buzz from some of the guys at the game um none of them are really godzilla fans but they were kind of jazzed but they were like you. i i made my i made my straight on the river but i like your shirt and you're like They're, well fuck you <laughs> <laughs> um so yeah i mean ultimately i think it's a good quality shirt i'm not sure what the regular price of the shirt is i bought it while it was on sale um i believe i paid 14 bucks yeah for mine. i
1: want to say it's 20 dollars normal but they do yeah. a sale at least once a month where you can get it for 14 so just wait and you'll be able to get it
0: for 14
2: yep mm-hmm.
3: um Got mine coming in the mail now, so I'll, next show I'll yes. have you guys updated. Uh, so
0: I just gotta, I just gotta order my Kill the Cash shirt now.
1: Oh <laughs> yeah, I, I really want to get uh, we did uh that Suicide Club design, which I know that's, a lot of people aren't gonna get. That's very that's very fucking specific, but I want to get that as a coffee mug. Uh, Mike, okay, so uh, Mike the Russian, uh, longtime friend of mine. Uh, I I want to have him on at some point because he will blow your mind with his knowledge of this stuff. Uh, especially Ultraman. He knows all kind of Ultraman stuff. And um, he's a great artist who does, uh, he's got a Facebook page called The Nihilist. N-I-G-H space L-I-S-T. So Nihilist, but it's Nihilist. um, Mm -hmm. Where he does a lot of just fucking out there uh, stuff. Uh, Some of it's satire. Some of it's aliens, all kind of weird stuff. Um, He's currently working on a, 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 comic that you know is probably still you know a good year or two before it ever actually comes out but it is kaiju related and it the story is fucking epic he's already kind of told me about it um i'm helping him with like some of the details and stuff but um he made uh our shirt because i wanted us to have an underwater kaiju uh shirt and i ha i haven't finalized like an original idea yet so i started just looking at posters And I found this German poster for Invasion of Astro Monster. Now, Mm. I loved this poster. It's great. It's got uh, uh, Godzilla and Rodan in the middle of the Earth with Ghidorah kind of above it. And it's got like the Exilians and the human characters from the movie at the bottom in like this kind of like black space background. And I really liked this design. But as much as I tried, I could not find an HD version of this picture. It, I just, it just I could not find it anywhere, so uh, Mike, I I wanted someone to take the words out so I could put underwater Kaiju from outer space in there. Uh, Mike the Russian did it for me, and uh, he he kind of warned me. He was like, "Hey, just so you know, you know this is not an HD picture, so it's only gonna look super small." So he told me when I was doing when we did the stretch, he goes, "Just so you know, it's going to look. Uh, it might not look super." HD and I was like mm-hmm. I, yeah, I understand I was like that's fine because for me in my head I'm looking at this and I'm going this shirt is supposed to look vintage like this poster mm-hmm. is vintage it's supposed to kind of it's like when you buy like pre faded pants or, or pre ripped denim or something like that it's mm-hmm. kind of going for that anyway so uh, when I finally do make an original idea for um, uh a design for underwater kaiju from outer space. That'll be all in nice, super pretty HD. But for now we do have this wonderful fucking poster. Uh, hopefully Toho doesn't come after us. I don't think they will just because I'm not making any money off this anyway. So it shouldn't matter, but they might, hopefully they don't. So, uh, until then you can get it. It's fucking, it's an awesome shirt. I really love that poster. I really love invasion of Astro monster. And, uh, uh, I'm super stoked for it. Um, and then like don't I said, forget, we, what, don't forget
0: to tell people where they can get it.
1: Uh the link will be in the description, but it is at what is it? tpublic.com. T
4: I'm
1: about to I'm about to pull it up real quick. Or not pull up the website, but I'm about to pull up my fucking file that's got all my
0: notes. My, yeah uh, it's tpublic.com all one word t-e-e public and um just just do a search for kill the cast once yeah. you're on the site and you're fine and You'll if find not it.
1: it's dot com slash user slash kill the cast um so go check that out we've got uh that we've got the standard uh kill the cast logo uh which is the uh bloody clipboard like what they use in movies Mm-hmm. With a machete going through it. And then we have a, a, a really cool Suicide Club one. If you've seen Suicide Club, which I hope you have. If you're watching this, you watch Japanese movies. Watch Suicide Club. It's fucking amazing. It's my one of my favorite Japanese movies of all time. Uh, but yeah. in that movie, there's this uh, computer screen that has red and white dots. And uh, I've always loved that shot. So mm-hmm. um, uh, for fun, Mike the Russian just kind of did it and put the kill. Because we were talking about Suicide Club and I told him how I'd love to... Find a way to make that into a shirt. So he just kinda did a basic design for me. I think it'll look better on like a coffee mug than it will a shirt. So I'm gonna get it as a coffee mug. But I get it both. Yeah, it's really dope. I'm really uh excited for it. Um so with that being said, it's time to find out what everyone has coming up. So let's go with Don. What's what's going on with you in the podcast world?
4: all right uh, well we just released our uh, second episode from hiatus on horror mafia we looked at um street trash uh inspired by the recent uh joe bob um showing um after that uh we're gonna i think we're gonna record sometime this week um, we're going to take a look at uh selection from our newest Patreon member. We're going to look at um, The Brood from uh, nice. David Cronenberg. Yeah,
0: uh, good one.
4: Yeah, it's going to be a first time watch cuz I never even heard of it until a few years ago.
0: Wow. I think you'll dig it. It's I mean it's Cronenberg, so it's a little weird. But I'm not obviously. a huge
4: Cronenberg fan.
0: Yeah, I'm not okay. I'm not, oh, not going okay. to hold I'm, out hope that John's going to like it.
4: I'm not a Cronenberg fan. I only think he's made one good movie.
0: What what movie is that? Videodrome. The Fly.
1: Oh, do I? You don't like Videodrome?
4: No, I think it's too complex and overblown.
1: Ah, oh, I love it. It's Videodrome.
4: watchable, but I don't consider it a masterpiece.
1: Okay, fair enough. Uh, anything else in your world, or is that? Uh... Uh,
4: I think we're gonna have we're gonna do a second recording. We're gonna try to mash it in onto the episodes is going to be like done over two separate nights, but it's going to be one episode. We're going to do a uh, special interview with the uh, filmmaker that, a filmmaker friend of ours. And um, yeah, we're going to talk to him about his latest movie. Um, I think um, a local, a friend of ours, uh, Brandon from exploding heads may join us.
2: Nice.
4: Cause uh, he's got a little uh, reputation working with the director. So it'll be qu- it'll be kind of fun. Oh, does the director mm-hmm. go to his gym? No, I'll tell you off fair. Okay, okay, fair enough.
1: All right, we will move it along. Uh, Derek, what you got going on?
3: Uh, latest episode of Cinema Attack is uh, Shaw Brothers Volume Two. Of course, that features Mister Donna Nelly.
1: Woo-hoo. Ha- have y'all ever noticed that when? Uh, Derek says cinema. He has that R on it, kind of like when uh, in these movies when they say Godzilla. Yeah, I noticed the Godzilla. I never noticed
0: uh, uh, Derek. Derek kind of uh-huh. says cinema. Hmm. Uh, that's that sexy that's... Boston accent, though.
1: I think that's what it is. I just wanted to point yeah. that out. Anyway, so uh, Shaw Brothers, continue.
3: Yeah, we had fun recording that. Don laid some knowledge with us and told his take on the box's omen, <laughs> which was a fun movie to talk about.
1: I need to see it. Don's been talking about the boxer's omen. Like uh, I think he's done seventeen I, I, I podcasts just on that movie. Yeah, such a great movie. Okay. Yeah, that's uh, awesome. Um, yeah. Of
4: course, um, you know if you ever do kill the cast on it, I'd love to be there.
1: I know <laughs> you would have to be. I think if I would, like, I, I think you've talked about it enough. Like if I ever do it and I need to do research, I'm gonna like just listen to your seventeen podcasts on it. Just start a boxer's omen podcast. <laughs>
4: that'd be fun showing it to new people every week
1: yeah you would you just take everyone and be like this is their first time watching it they're gonna watch it and then i'm gonna explain the movie to them
3: <laughs>
4: that wouldn't be bad i'd like that <laughs> <laughs> Uh yeah right.
2: that,
3: that's out and uh we're actually recording our first uh exploitation of uh westerns next week so that should be uh interesting we're doing two ones from two italian horror directors so that's coming in the future that's about it
1: okay uh all right is everyone got 20 minutes because i'm about to ask vidim
0: <laughs> i'll be quick all right go ahead oh, vidim okay uh the horror cast still on hiatus oh still i want to bring
1: this up to you uh, so
0: the slasher app
1: dropped, right? And I joined yes. it and there was Did a, you. you know, there's a thing on there for podcasts where you can promote your podcast. And of course, I would kill the cast on there. So someone on there had posted that they do a podcast a newer podcast called the horror cast one word. And I commented on there now it's been like three days and I commented, I was like, Oh, I already listened to a podcast that's been around for quite a few years called the horror cast. They have not responded to
0: that. Interesting.
2: Well,
0: ultimately, I, and honestly, I think I do remember another podcast that has HorrorCast in the title. It's not just the HorrorCast. It's something else, HorrorCast. Um, so it's a popular name.
2: It's, yeah, it's but here's
0: my thing. Name. This annoys the shit out. If you're going to create something new,
1: you need to go on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and Google and type that name in there and look to see if anyone's using that name. You ha- need to go check because here's the thing: you don't want to use a name that's already used, especially if it's being used by someone who's much bigger than you and has been around. A long- now, if they've been dead for a few years, whatever, fuck their body. But, right. it, but you need, if you, by all means, create new things. You need to make sure no one is using that stuff though, because when they Google it, if that person's bigger than you, they're finding that bigger person. Mm-hmm. You're, you're hurting your. Re- it's like. Uh, yeah. So, as you all know, we're in the big boom of Friday the 13th fan films. Yeah. One of those fan films is called His Name Was Jason. And I <laughs> asked the people, why would you name yourself that when there's an official documentary in the Friday the 13th franchise called His Name Was Jason? And they were just like, oh, well, we just like the name. But when anyone Googles your shit, they're going to find that documentary.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Not mm-hmm. you. So guys do yourself a favor look it doesn't take that long to look through instagram to look through facebook to look through fucking google and twitter to see if anyone's using that stuff uh me and venom just went through this because me and venom may be working on some secret project and we Mm -hmm. maybe have been googling a lot of things yeah you know but check your shit anyway back to the hiatus of the horror cast
0: Okay, yeah, so that's on hiatus, so there's not really a whole lot to talk about there. Uh, Theme Warriors, next episode should be recording in the next week or two. The theme for that episode is going to be underdog story. Oh, no. Yeah, no, that's it. Uh, Underdog stories where the underdogs lose, you know, very much like a Rocky or Bad News Bears type situation. Me watching every episode of Underdog there is. There you go. (laughs)
1: No one wins in that situation.
0: Exactly. Uh, let's see, the next episode of No More Room in Hell will be recording next weekend. Uh, mm-hmm. We're going to be looking, we're going to be doing a top, our first list for episode 10. Uh, we're going to be looking at top 10 uh, horror sequels. So mm. that should be a fun one. Um, I got a feeling I'm going to make a lot of enemies when I read off my list, but so be it. it That's it'll fine. get fine. It'll get conversations started, so Uh, that's always fun. Someone who doesn't listen to this podcast, but they listen to Kill the Cast, and they just don't
1: know enough about Godzilla movies to watch, to listen to this podcast, Uh, they were messaging me, um, and they were telling me about podcasts they like. um, Because Kill the Cast happens to be their favorite. Nice. But they were telling me um, how much they love No More Room in Hell. Yeah.
2: And specifically specifically
1: (laughs) you, uh, Venom. How how much, uh, you're in there. They, they consider, they, they, they were also telling me who, like kind of their top four favorite people in podcasting. Uh, and you're, you're like number two on that list. <laughs> Let me guess. You're number one. I am number one.
0: <laughs> they love the Jerry's.
1: They love the Jerry. Uh, but they, they were, they were talking about how, um, uh, you're on that list along with, uh, people like, um, well, actually I think it was a list of five people, but it was, uh, me, you, watson dave z and uh paul stevenson from who will survive yeah, so makes sense um lots of lots
0: of uh silky smooth voices in that list yeah <laughs> silky smooth uh the Stop, horse fell over up. okay uh because i said the word
1: horse wasn't it yeah that was uh, it, it had but yeah so i wanted to let you know that uh that uh, someone so really likes no more room in hell and they specifically really like you so
2: Excellent. i just want you to know uh, that
0: anyway next time you talk to them let them know they got a reach around coming uh they do not have a penis but oh, I love them now. That, wait wait that could be good then <laughs> uh yes maybe <laughs> forget it anyway <laughs> thank you for that by the way are they um, a woman or are they a eunuch oh what an alien maybe whatever i'm alien, good with that okay <laughs> uh let's see uh the sister podcast for no more room in hell fresh cuts uh our last episode was on the octavia spencer film ma that just came out uh, about a week and a half ago uh the next episode that we'll be recording i believe tomorrow night will be on the new shutter release boar uh boar is actually an australian film that came out a couple of years ago but it finally got a u.s release literally last week last friday or thursday Is, is it a creature feature it,
3: it is killer boar movie.
1: How many Australian killer boar movies are there at this point? That, I mean, we
4: have Batten and, bat and Razorback.
1: Isn't there a th- There's a third one? I guess it's just not made in Australia. Isn't there a third killer the, boar yeah, movie? Yeah, called Pig Hunt.
0: The, pig Hunt, yes. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so, yeah, so, or, and then after that we'll be doing uh, the Jim Jarmouche zombie movie, uh, The Dead Don't Die. Uh, so that's the next couple of weeks on Fresh Cut's. And last but not least, on the Slice and Dice Dreadcast, we will be recording a new episode this week. And we'll be looking at two 1982 films, John Russo's Midnight and National Lampoon's Class Reunion. And that's it for me, buddy. That's an interesting combination. Yeah, I have no idea how they pulled that out of their ass. You can can blame BC for that one. Okay,
1: (laughs) that's just weird. Uh, I don't know what's going on there. Okay. Uh, so, for Kill the Cast, we dropped two episodes this week. Can you believe it? Uh, coming off of our deeply researched episode of The Shining we did a horror Coliseum where we stepped into the insanity of Sam Neill and we put uh, (laughs) in the mouth of madness versus event horizon in the horror Coliseum with our new categories. It's still 15 categories, but we kind of changed them up a little bit. And uh, I hope everyone digs uh, the, the, the basically some categories got combined um, so that we could create two new categories uh, Mm -hmm. being one of them being cinematography and technical aspects because I don't know how I didn't include that to begin with. Um, And the other one being uh, representation, talking about uh, how does this represent the genre of horror and or like the subgenre of horror compared to other titles in that genre. Um, Mm -hmm. Just because we thought it was interesting to kind of go into that, uh, because in pop culture we kind of talk about how the fans uh, of horror and non-horror look at this movie. How is it, you know, is it quoted anywhere, blah, blah, blah um but we wanted to to get a little bit more deeper in that uh in the genre and talk about you know how is it representing its subgenre of horror how is it you know you know is it true horror you know like if we talked about a thriller would we talk about how it's you know more of a detective story like what if we had had that when we covered uh seven versus silence of the lamps like you know that would have been very interesting uh, so we we did that, so you can check out the uh, episode 70, The Insanity of Sam Neill. Uh, and then we also dropped a bonus review of Godzilla, King of the Monsters, 2019, featuring me and Jay. And, I brought, of course, I had Venom show up, who, uh, funny enough, he actually replaced Derek. Venom <laughs> was recording that night, so he couldn't do it. Derek was sleeping
3: um, and it's, slept... It's a cur- it's a curse for me Like that's, I'll, I'll give it a little secret. Sometimes when we push cinema tech shows, it's because of that <laughs> reason. <laughs> uh,
1: so Derek was sleeping and Venom just happened to show up last minute to be like, yeah, I just got done fi- recording. I'm like, well, great. We're waiting on Derek. Do you want to just jump on with us? Um, why didn't y'all do it
0: on fresh cuts? Um, uh, Mike doesn't really consider kaiju movies horror. Fair enough. I, I, I could see the argument for this movie
1: being horror, and I could see it not being horror. Uh, exactly. Depending... Uh, I think almost every kaiju movie can be argued that way m- for the most part.
0: Yes. But I, I have... Spe- all horror. Yeah. Yeah,
1: I, I have specific things I look for for me to push it into horror. Uh, like, I want to see direct human death caused yes. by the kaiju. Um, not just buildings for Falling and you just assume people died. I want to see those buildings hit people or show there was a person in that building before it fell, kind of thing. Um, kind of like in Godzilla vs. Biolante, that dude who shoots a uh, rocket in Godzilla's mouth, they directly show Godzilla killing him. Yep. Uh, I want to see things like that. But uh, so uh, we were also joined by uh, Abraham the Ram Man, uh, and we did an awesome uh, review of the movie where. For the most part, it's spoiler-free, so if you haven't seen the movie, uh, you can actually listen to the podcast. And then listen to us rant and rave for about 45 minutes on this post that showed up in the worst uh, uh, kaiju Facebook group. And I know Don agrees with me. uh, Toku Legion. Uh, I left the group, actually, this week. I couldn't take it anymore. I I left. Um, If you're going to join a Godzilla group, uh, Facebook Monsterland... Uh, way better uh, ran by Steve Hyde uh, just just a way better uh, group join it instead um, so we covered it and we we keep it pretty spoiler free I don't think there's anything we talk about that you couldn't put together from the trailer but we dissected uh, this person's long post about why he hated the movie and why he's wrong in every aspect um, and as someone <laughs> said to me this week uh, Jerry, you just really wanted to fucking rant a lot, didn't you? And I said, yes.
2: hmm
1: Uh, and Kill the Cast will be coming up in like two weeks. Uh, we're, we're, we're joining, uh, we're going to Japan. We're doing a deep dive, baby. This is much like The Shining, much like our coverage of Psycho 3, our last house on the left. We're doing one of my favorite Japanese movies of all time, Suicide Club i uh, nice. i have already Ooh. reviewed the movie before on uh abc's of hidden horror but uh i want a few full review spoiler filled review deep dive uh i'm going to give you what i think the movie is about uh you know that that took me 20 watches to figure out uh but we are going to do a deep dive on scion sono's suicide club so i'm really excited but because we're doing that, it's also going to take us, like, two weeks.
3: So, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, And we already know what the next show is going to be. Uh, for an, oh, yeah. For, sure for us, this? yeah.
1: What is it? Mothra. Uh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That's right. We're going to be tackling Mothra. And some of us will actually be watching the uh, new Steelcase Blu-ray release from Mill Creek. So mm-hmm. we will also let you know... How that Blu-ray is—is is, is it worth buying? I know right now you can still get it for like under twenty bucks on Amazon.
3: Yeah.
1: Um. So we will be uh, reviewing that. We'll give you our opinion on what we, how we feel the Blu-ray. I'm going to uh, test it out against the uh, DVD that comes out of the Icons of Sci-Fi I box have that set. DVD
3: too.
1: Okay, good. We will make sure we look at that and kind of uh, judge it and see if it's if it's worth the upgrade. Or not, unless you just want a steel case. I, I'm buying it mostly because of the steel case. Yeah. it looks beautiful.
0: Same here. Mm-hmm. So,
1: we are going to be tackling that. Um, and then, upcoming here soon, uh, we will be doing a episode that will just be four episodes of Ultraman. Back to back to back. Uh, where we will change out who reviews each episode. So, you will not hear mostly me go through the episode. I will go through one episode... Then Venom will go through one, Don will go through one, and Derek will go through one. And then we'll also switch out, I guess, who's doing the Kaiju fight so that uh, Don doesn't have to do it four times in a row. (laughs)
2: Um,
1: So I've never had to do the Kaiju fight breakdown. So if mine sucks, uh, don't blame me. (laughs) Hey, I only did it once and I had a blast. So I'll I'll happily do it again. Okay. Uh, So that's it for us. We are out of here. I think this episode went a little bit longer than I thought it would go, but uh, we had a lot to say about Ultraman. So thank you for listening. Thank you for being here for our visions from Monsterland. We will see you next time as we are joined by the Twin Fairies to talk about capitalism and Mothra.
3: And long live Asian Eric (laughs) Estrada.
1: Asian Eric Estrada is in my heart forever now. Uh, even though he got murked by Godzilla, mm-hmm. we love you guys. We will see you next time on underwater kaiju from outer
4: space. Peace. Just remember, just remember, this intravenous stuff is no good for you. Stick to
2: smoking. <laughs> okay, that
1: line was amazing.
2: Oh wow. <laughs>